Welcome to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank that brings you market views and insights on the go. Hello, my name is Audrey Goh. I run a thematic strategy and asset location division at Standard Chartered Bank. Welcome to Talking Thematics, a series of conversations where we will discuss about future trends, big ideas, or themes that will shape our investment future today and for many years to come. Following the release of our latest 360 perspective on cryptocurrencies, I believe many of you might be interested to know more about what cryptocurrency is and how it will impact and transform the way we work and live. So today, I'm very glad to welcome Manpreet Gill, our head of FICC, joining me to cover topics including what is cryptocurrencies? Is it considered real money? And how do we put a value on cryptocurrencies? And of course, what this all means for investors. So welcome, Manpreet. Well, if you look at cryptocurrencies today, it is increasingly a topic of interest among our investors and clients. Um, there are many cryptocurrencies out there, including Bitcoin, Ethereum, Dotcoin, just to name a few. Of course, Bitcoin is the oldest one. Uh, it started back in 2009 when founder uh, Satoshi Nakamoto started the Bitcoin network in order to circumvent intermediaries such as banks and financial institutions, uh, which were at that time undertaking a lot of money printing and certainly deep in the financial crisis as well. So uh, that was originally designed as a medium of exchange, but is increasingly uh, seen as a store of value, uh, triggering one of the biggest debate on whether cryptocurrencies are indeed money. So what is your take on this, Manpreet? Hi, Audrey. Uh, thanks for having me on. Um, you're right. I think whether cryptocurrencies are money is one of the most controversial topics out there. And, you know, what we think, one way to think about it, maybe to just start with the definition of money. You know, traditionally, money is defined as having, you know, characteristics of being a medium of exchange, a unit of account, and a store of value. Now, when you think of a traditional currency like the US dollar or the Singapore dollar, it does all three reasonably well. Uh, you know, if you go to the supermarket, uh, the, the unit of account per, uh, purpose is served. Everything's priced in, you know, your local currency. When you go to the checkout counter, you're able to pay in that currency. So it ticks the medium of exchange box and arguably it does store value. Uh, inflation, you know, definitely hurts that to some extent. Uh, but, you know, small allocation to gold, for example, could help, you know, uh, as a combination. So those are sort of three characteristics. You can see how a traditional currency serves those three purposes well. Now, when you compare a cryptocurrency like Bitcoin against those three characteristics, you can see where the challenges are. So on unit of account and medium of exchange, uh, you can arguably find some goods and services providers who do price you know, their, their items in uh, cryptocurrencies and are willing to accept it as payment. But to be honest, it's quite limited at the moment, largely to the enthusiast community. So it doesn't really serve those two functions very well at the moment. Now, surprisingly, as a store of value is where it has actually done relatively well, um, actually end-to-end -end even holding up against inflation. But obviously, that comes with a caveat that its value uh, has been extraordinarily volatile, at least measured in traditionally traditional currency terms. And we haven't really seen it perform through a cycle. So I think one in, on, on, on two measures, I think it's debatable. Uh, and I think a store of value is where there may be something, but we need to see more history before, before concluding firmly. Well, but if we look at the recent price recent years of price action among cryptocurrencies uh, they do seems to be holding some value and of course we've also seen adoption 
um, making some traction there with some institutions, uh, institutions actually starting to uh, include cryptocurrencies as a cash reserve. So would you agree that you know cryptocurrencies is something that can hold value longer term? Well, I think it's encouraging, yes, that that you know cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin have held value despite some dire forecasts that they may be completely worthless. But I think this is where you know their use or utility uh, may be quite important. And there are two areas where we're beginning to see some utility come through. Uh, first, of course, is the gaming and the non-fungible token or the NFT industry. Uh, just as one measure, today the number of games using cryptocurrencies as a medium of exchange uh, and allowing you to go back and forth with US dollars has grown to over a thousand games today. Uh, and similarly, one forecast we looked at, uh, you know, argued that the NFT market cap is like to exceed $80 billion by 2025. So there is some utility coming through from that one channel. The other, of course, is utility where it helps solve problems in existing industries. And a great example of this is remittances where one cryptocurrency provider was able to help cut money remittance times from five days in the old world to three seconds when they use a blockchain-based cryptocurrency. So while it doesn't directly link to what the end value might be, uh, clearly some utility is beginning to come through. Okay, so you also mentioned about cryptocurrencies being highly volatile. Um, so what can we learn about, say, major cryptocurrencies' relationship with other financial assets? Are they totally correlated or less correlated? Any insights on that? Well, one big caveat is that we don't have an awful lot of history to work with. Uh, I mean, and and the history we have doesn't even span a full business cycle. So I think all the relationships we've seen highlighted, uh, I take them with a pinch or, or maybe even a full tablespoon of salt. Uh, but with that disclaimer sort of out of the way, I think there are four relationships that really stood out to us. I think one is over the short term, at least, you can see there's a high positive correlation with risk on assets like small cap stocks. I think that's one that, that has come through the past few years, at least. There is a moderate positive correlation with gold. Uh, it's definitely lower uh, than what we see with risk on assets, but it does feed into what we discussed earlier about you know uh, cryptocurrencies being a store of value. Uh, third is that there is an inverse relationship with the US dollar. Now, this one I found interesting because you can see there's a big parallel with uh, you know uh, viewing cryptocurrencies as an asset or a commodity and that sort of line of arguments where there is an inverse relationship with the dollar. Um, so that one does come through. And finally, there is an argument that you know cryptocurrencies can serve as an inflation hedge. Um, and I think when you look at the returns against inflation, yes, point to point, Bitcoin arguably has delivered total returns you know, beyond inflation. But the big caveat is that came with a massive amount of volatility. Uh, and we don't have the history through business cycles and different inflationary periods. So uh, something interesting coming through, and at least a lot of the recent data. But I, I think the jury is still out because we simply don't have enough history yet. Okay, so given the you know many different uh, users and relationship that you have just described, um, how does one put a value on cryptocurrencies? I mean, what framework would you use? Because if you look at some of the forecasts, they can either be really pessimistic to ascribe no value at all, or extremely optimistic to you know five six digit even you know as a as a store of value. So, what are, what are your thoughts on this? So I think you're right. I think the, the forecasts or valuation methodologies uh, do tend to lead you to extreme forecasts, either very optimistic or very pessimistic. Uh, and I think where that's coming from is the, there is no well-accepted methodology at the moment. Um, there are arguments out there, but the reality is that many of them are quite subjective. Um, and at least the ones that are published do tend to be quite have quite a big positive bias. But just to summarize some of the common ones, I think one common argument is to compare 
as we discussed earlier, cryptocurrencies as a digital currency. So then the argument is you could compare the market capitalization of a of cryptocurrency with the market capitalization of a payment provider like Visa or MasterCard. Uh, and if you use that measure, you could argue, you know, currencies like Bitcoin or Ethereum are still undervalued. Now, a second argument uh, is that you know, if we get greater institutional adoption, uh, so for example, a simple thumb rule of a 2% allocation by by major sort of asset allocators, um, again, by this measure, you know, currencies like Bitcoin would be highly undervalued, though obviously comes with a caveat that this would only be possible if volatility were to come down to more reasonable levels. And then there's a third argument, which is more about, okay, what's a currency's intrinsic value from a utility point of view? And that's where you get, you know, the, the more extreme arguments where, you know, Bitcoin arguably has a value of zero by this measure, uh, while some like Ethereum, which have a little bit more value in use cases via you know their contract-based nature, could arguably at least have a positive value, uh, though it's hard to put a specific number on that and it most probably be a lot lower than where, where today's price is. So a lot of very subjective ones, uh, many assumptions going into it, uh, but uh, you know it's still a highly subjective process. Okay, um, so... If we were to look at, you know, cryptocurrencies, I think the next big thing seems to be on regulations. And many countries have taken very, very varied approach with regards to cryptocurrencies. You've got the likes of El Salvador uh, adopting cryptocurrencies or Bitcoin as, as its national currency. At the same time, at the other extreme, you have China, you know, banning outright all cryptocurrencies transaction. So how do you see regulations impacting crypto- cryptocurrencies generally? Well, regulation actually might be possibly the single most important thing to uh, to follow from this point forward, because like you said, I think it could have quite a big impact both on adoption and what value ends up being ascribed to it. So at one extreme, as you described, there are a few countries which have outright bans on cryptocurrency. Uh, and when you think about what that means for value, that, that effectively means the cryptocurrencies would be worth zero in, in that sort of regulatory environment. Uh, but uh, fortunately, you know, many other countries are looking at, uh, you know, something a little bit more measured. So if, if you take the US, for example, uh, today, uh, they simply treat cryptocurrencies as an asset uh, from a tax perspective. So taxing uh, capital gains. But when you think about some of the efforts or the direction of, of regulatory research around this, you know, uh, in the US, the efforts are to think about, you know, how can you address, um, you know, anti-money laundering sort of guidelines? How can you protect small investors? questioning whether coin issuers should be, you know, like a bank, like an insured depository institution, and whether wallet providers should be subject to more sort of regulatory oversight. So you can see some parallels coming through with uh, the existing financial industry. And I think the good news is that, look, as we get more regulation, it should definitely help from an adoption perspective. But I'd caution that that doesn't necessarily mean, you know, prices go up. I think adoption, there's, there's clearly a positive part to adoption, but it doesn't yet tell you anything about what end value that should end up uh, leave cryptocurrencies at whether that's higher or a lot lower from where we are today so putting this all together what does the evolving landscape means uh, for an investor interested to invest in cryptocurrencies well i think overall where it leaves us is that it's clearly an exciting area it's very new and clearly still a lot of areas that need to be developed but it's a lot of the detail once you start digging into it also means that excitement needs to be equally tempered with being very very cautious uh, because there are a number of moving parts that haven't been resolved i think on the positive side we're clearly seeing some signs of greater adoption uh, and you know it, it's a good thing that, that cryptocurrencies have, have been able to hold value uh, but i think the key here is to really focus on regulation uh, and see how that develops because that may be one important input into how adoption and value develops from here and 
you know, and I think that's, I'd rather focus on those uh, rather than the headlines, which can be, you know, have quite a bullish bias. And as we discussed in, you know, some of the valuation arguments, uh, when you look under the hood, those tend to be highly subjective. Uh, so something we treat with a lot of caution. I think the final point I'd make is, you know, regulation, of course, is one thing, but equally is volatility. Uh, I mean, you think about the institutional adoption argument, uh, you know, Bitcoin, for example, has a volatility of almost 60, 76% compared with just 11 to 12% for global equity. So, you know, that's one factor where volatility does need to come down to more usual levels, uh, I suppose, before we start seeing more widespread adoption, at least from an investment perspective. So exciting, uh, but approach with with a lot of caution and, and with both your eyes wide open. Great. Thanks so much, Manpreet, for taking your time with me today. And thank you listeners for joining us. If you've enjoyed today's podcast, don't forget to like and subscribe to our podcast channel whenever and wherever you get a podcast from. Stay safe and speak to you soon. Thank you for listening to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank. For more details on the latest market insights, subscribe to Standard Chartered Money Insights.